Google that at your peril, straight listeners. <laughs> I like Simon Penis. Personally. <laughs> Usually, I mean, sometimes they're a little too on the nose. They're never that on the nose. That's like right up the nostril. <laughs> Welcome to Your Inner Child's an Idiot, the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good to begin with. My name is DJ. <laughs> and I'm Damon. I'm glad we're getting uh, we're getting the time down on that intro, because a lot of people say what's really <laughs> dragging in our shows is the 15-second introduction. I don't so know I'm glad we're cutting that back. Why? It's like, you know when you are going to trip and you try to run faster? That's what's happening. Because <laughs> I know I'm going to mess it up. But instead of just uh-huh. like taking my time with it, because I know that'll make it worse, I just try to get done with it as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. We have a relatively new, although this is the third time we're doing it, we have a new format where Damon doesn't know what we're doing yet. Only I know. I mean, that's not always the form. I mean, half the time I know what we're doing and you don't know. That's your proposed format. My format is I always know. You never know. <laughs> Even when we actually review the movie, I'm just like, uh, just guessing. Uh, I hated that scene where they got back together again. <laughs> I assume we are watching. It felt contrived. Okay. Let me let me start dropping some hints. I dropped one. Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. You got it yet? Oh, I may ha- have it a little bit, but I want to get a second hit so I don't make a fool of myself. Benjamin Bratt. Ben Bratt? From Law and Order, Benjamin Bratt? He's in things. Yeah. Is Dave Chappelle involved in this? I don't think so. But you know, a comedian oh. is Dennis Leary. Ben Bratt and Dennis Leary, Mr. Julia Roberts and Mr. Stealing his comedy from that other guy. <gasps> we'll get there. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Passenger 57. No. Blade. Blade. <laughs> I just got that. I was like, what, is that? <laughs> what movie is that? No. The sister of uh, Sade. No. Blade. You're going to get it with this one. Sandra Bullock. Okay. Sandy Bulls. <laughs> And Demolition Man. Sylvester Stallone. We are watching Demolition Man. Surprisingly, right, ben Brad is surprisingly in this? right-wing movie, if you think about it too hard, which I didn't as a child. But all this non-violent vegetarian crap, get it out of here. Give me guns. No, we might get a murder death kill. Give me rat burgers. Give me Taco Bell. Oof. Rat burgers, not fancy from Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. Fancy Taco Bell. All restaurants Good are Taco save. Bell. I have seen this movie a lot, so I, I think I'm going to recall enough that I should probably not say too many things in the intro. Okay. How about you? I have seen this movie precisely 1.25 times. Okay. And the first time when I saw it in Toto, and this will give you a, a just an idea of, of the education system of Sumner County in Tennessee. Uh-huh. My psychology teacher, who was also the girls' volleyball coach, I'm sure everything was strictly above board <laughs> with him. That's a lot of assumptions. <laughs> That's true, but dollars to donuts. I won't name him, but dollars to donuts. Yeah. And he decided that we should do a psychological profile on the character of our choosing from the movie Demolition Man. Hold on. I want to make a guess of the year in the middle of this ragged anecdote. 1995, I want to say. I want to say 1993. Ooh. I'm looking it up. But he showed us this. I thought it was ridiculous in a good way. Oh, was it 93? If you're listening to this podcast, you can't see my celebratory dance because it was 1993. It looks like you have bed bugs. 
but I'm the one who's been to Paris recently. <laughs> Just drop that Riddled in with casually that I've been to Paris. Yes. That's why you pronounced it blade. I don't know why I keep calling him a professor. This teacher, <laughs> teacher slash coach, also showed us the Andy Griffith show, like several episodes of the Andy Griffith show, what? also to do psychological profiles on characters within it. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun, but also felt Once. like, yeah. did you not come up with a lesson plan? Are you hungover right now, coach? Unnamed. <laughs> coach allegedly <laughs> that's right we should add that for our lawyers allegedly on everything i said what if it, <laughs> can you do that in retroactively allegedly allegedly <laughs> all the alleged. shit just i just said was in. alleged except for the barney fife and the demolition man we do have professional editors so dear fine folks that we edit podcast just take his saying allegedly and plug it back mm -hmm. in just you can just have me screaming it at the beginning don't actually do that, please. Thank you. <laughs> this is a weird point in Sylvester Stallone's career, though, right? This is the beginning, the stumble towards the Expendables. Eventually, slow, a slow <laughs> tumble down the slope. So if this is the first step of the stairs from Rocky, <laughs> and at the bottom is the Expendables. Right. Yeah, I think so, because... Because this is around the time of Oscar. Remember Oscar? The mob comedy Oscar? Stop or my mom will shoot. Ooh, that's a good one. I think that was more 80s. That was like late 80s. There's right? another shitty one. Oh, Judge Dredd is what I'm thinking of. That's like similar to Demolition Man. Also seemingly right wing in that judges just shoot criminals I am in the, the streets. Um, sir. Gross. No, not exactly. You were one branch of a legal system. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you should be shot. Yeah. Cliffhanger was in there. With the never scarier John Lithgow. Cliffhanger, though, was was more like... I'm not saying whether Cliffhanger was good or bad, because I think it probably doesn't hold up. I remember liking it as an action movie as a kid, but like, it probably doesn't hold up that well. And I most famously remember it being parodied in Ace Ventura 2. But, <laughs> but I think that... A reference that surely holds up as well to modern audiences. That was less a... Like, that was a action movie. Maybe a silly, maybe a stupid action movie. But like, it was like taking itself kind of seriously. Whereas Demolition Man... I do feel like it's kind of playing on some themes and stuff and sort of making fun of like the superhero cop character that he is, that his character is, while also very much playing into it at the same time. Like it's not, I don't want to pretend like this is going to be highbrow or anything, but it does seem like it's like sort of like you can't go in there and, you know, just shoot up the place. And then by the end of the movie, it's like, hey, go in there and shoot up the place. Hey, look, he gets results. That's all I'm concerned about. I think if there's one thing I know, the ends justify the means, famously. No, we shouldn't have body cams on demolition men. <laughs> we should just trust them to do what they're going to do. A few bad apples in the demolition <laughs> men. I can't remember the rest of the sentence. I refuse to remember the rest of the sentence. <laughs> I, for whatever reason, just the timing, this would have been like when I was 11, Probably saw it. I probably mm -hmm. didn't see it in the theater, maybe 12 years old when it came out on VHS or whatever. I loved this movie and saw it many, many times. Not into girls yet, so you might as well just have things explode, I imagine. Yes. I didn't have my very upsetting to the gay community aversion to Sandra Bullock yet. <laughs> All I knew her from was Wait, speed. have we told that story on this, yes, on this podcast yet? That's a shame. <laughs> to very quickly recap, I made the mistake of very lightly bashing... Sandra Bullock's acting ability, which I don't even... Now, why did you think it was cool to do it? What? Why do you think it was okay to, to bash her? 
in front of a bunch of homos. I don't think I knew the love that Sandy, Sandy Bulls has mm-hmm. in the gay community. And I was nearly run out of the room on a rail. If they had had a rail, yeah, they'd have put me on it. Or if they had tar or feathers, mm-hmm. I'd have mm-hmm. been tarred feathers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, don't do that. I don't actually even necessarily know what I said. It was probably just something I thought I was. It was when she won her Oscar, yeah. right? For the blind side. So I think history has proven you right, my I friend. I mean, that doesn't really have anything to do with it. Let's, let's let Sandra Bullock off the hook here. Sandra Bullock should be in jail. <laughs> it's not her fault. <laughs> Taking, Allegedly. Taking advantage of that poor football playing man. How dare you, Sandra? This was right after Speed, right? Because that was like, she burst onto the scene with Speed, and then I feel like... Was it? I feel like this is right before Speed. I think Speed was like, ni- oh, you might be right. Because Speed was either speed. 92 or 94. But I thought Speed was like the first Speed thing. is 94. Okay. Now, it's also definitely after Love Potion Number 9, the movie that put her on the map. Oh, that was the movie. The movie that we still cherish to this day. Yeah, okay. I always thought it was Speed that put her on the map, but Speed must have it, like... That's what really put her on the map. But Love Potion number nine, I remember when she was rising up, people like E! Entertainment Television was like, you might remember her from Love Potion number nine. I'm like, no one remembers her from that. I only remember the song. Is that where that, well, yeah. is that, where that song comes from? The song 40 years after The song it? was written uh, <laughs> after, and then they went back in time to release it in the 60s. Planted it. Planted the LP. Play this. That was the Shinola scandal, as a lot of people didn't realize there was a time portal involved. Here, Wolfman Jack, play this. Wolfman Jack! Anyway. John Garabedian, play Love Potion number nine. I'm excited to watch this because, because I loved it, Mm -hmm. and I also think that it's not going to hold up. Even that, I think it's going to be even stupider than I think, because I never was like, even as a kid, I wasn't running around being like, this is cinema. Here, you know, I was just like, I like this. And then later, I, if you think about it a little too hard, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, I mean, I've only seen it that 1.25 times. My memory, though, is that it's not really taking itself seriously. Right. But I have a feeling that Sylvester Stallone is. And I think that dynamic will be interesting, if I'm correct yeah, in my assumption. What do you, what do you think he's going to do? And like everyone else is having fun, but he's like, this is cinema. <laughs> Despite what that 11-year-old boy said. <laughs> that's a terrible Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> We're going to watch Demolition Man. Watch along with us. Bye. This is cinema. No, it started, it's just Groot every time I do it. I don't know why I felt the need to repeat what you said, but well, it does I'm a, that anyway. I'm a trendsetter. In terms of- <laughs> You're a thought leader, uh, and I appreciate you setting the tone for this exchange of ideas. <laughs> I'm a thought leader. That's why I couldn't come up with the phrase thought leader. <laughs> well, first off, don't ever feel bad that you didn't come up with the nonsensical phrase thought leader. Oh, goodness. Damon, do you think... You know who was a thought leader? Hitler. Do you think they'll still have Patreon pages in 1996, in the future? Yes, but it'll be automatically taken out of your account whether you like the podcast or not. Ah, what a future that will be. But for now, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. We'll have to do this the old-fashioned way, as John Spartan would say. Ew, don't remind me of that scene. (laughs) 
Oh, don't stop. No, <laughs> I blacked out during that scene, and now you're making it all flood back like Vietnam. Patreon.com slash your channel. The old-fashioned way. Remember that? I remember him calling Ugh. sexual intercourse the hunka chunka. <laughs> the hunka chunka. No one has ever called it that. At least anyone who's preparing to engage in such activity. No one's ever said hunka chunka. It sounds like something you'd... Was it originally a term used for vomit? And they were like, nah, we got too many terms for that. You're going to have to use it somewhere else. Like, ah, I already patented the phrase, though. Where can I use this? Hunka chunka. I really like to toss her cookies. We also, like, for a while, they tried to use it as, like, stapling lingo. And it's like, we don't need lingo for stapling. It's easy to say stapling. I know it makes a hunka chunka sound. It does. But we don't need... We don't need that. I'll just say stapling. I won't say hunka chunka. The thing they used to it's use like, uh, to remove CD plastic. You know, the big plastic things they would have at CDs at like Walmart. If you had it, they had hunka chunka. Oh, yeah. That big, like you'd get it on video games yeah. or men's razors. They'd have to like remove this whole thing yeah. to stop you from stealing mm-hmm. it. Remember when cassette tapes had them, but they were because they just added a huge like handle of plastic so that you couldn't like hide them very easily in your pockets. You know what? It's not my fault the manufacturers made such a small item. You know what I like is that we're going to face zero consequences for making every single fucking thing out of plastic to excess. What could go wrong? It's just (laughs) oil we got from the ground and that will never biodegrade. (laughs) Next question. The fish are going to love it. You see, a fish's head can fit right into this cassette tape handle that we added for no reason. It's like a little home away from home. Stick his little fishy head in. It's like a little rough, like like a Edwardian fish. Imagine what they would look like. Okay, so since this is mine, I'm going to recap this movie. We watched Demolition Man. Picture this. The year 1996. Whoa, too far in the future for me. Los Angeles is a hellscape. Things are on fire. When has that ever happened mm-hmm. in California? The Hollywood sign is in fire. <laughs> Never happened. Uh-huh. A man named, oh, I've already forgotten his name. Simon, what's his, name? his last name? Simon Phoenix. Simon Phoenix. Simon. Everyone has a gay porn name in this movie. <laughs> Simon, <laughs> Simon Phoenix is rampaging. He set himself a little illegal kingdom in Los Angeles. No one can do anything about it. He's got hostages. Mm-hmm. Bus passengers, because the buses still were running. He didn't Which, like that. Credit to Los Angeles. He stuck with it. He didn't like that. So he captured the busman and all his passengers. And there's only one man. The busman. There's only one man who can save the day. Detective. Talk about that later. <laughs> Detective John Spartan, played by Sly uh-huh. Stallone, comes in. Now, he's a cop. He plays by his own rules, and he never gets results. Is that correct? No. You couldn't be... Well, you're half right. He plays by rules (laughs) of his own. Interesting. But he always gets his collar, if you know what I mean. Actually, I don't know what you mean. What is that? Is that a phrase that people use? Yeah. He always gets his collar? he gets his man. He arrests bad people after having probably killed other people accidentally. Okay, I will accept that he plays by his own rules and thus gets results Mm -hmm. because those two things always go together. He respects physical property (laughs) though, right? Oh, you are in for a rude awakening. He does not. In fact, (laughs) he has a nickname. (gasps) No, what would that nickname be? I guarantee you I haven't heard it. He's named after a song by The Police, coincidentally. (laughs) 
Demolition Man. They come. Just Sting. I'm going to have to correct you. It's just one third of the police Sting. I'm going to have to correct your correction. It was originally the police ah. song, but Sting covered it for this movie because you got to add in some lyrics about. I didn't look up the lyrics of this cover of Demolition Man. I assume there's a very subtle reference to the three seashells at some point in the song. <laughs> <laughs> so, going through this recap that I've been belaboring, John Parton. We've practically gotten past the opening scene. John Parton, say, John Spartans, Parton. John Party, country singer, saves the day. <laughs> Simon Phoenix is captured, but ah, this building huh. that was destroyed in the process, they found all the bodies of the hostages. Now, John Spartan oh my God. is responsible for these hostages. He's devastated. So, not only do they cryo freeze they have this program in 1996 you all remember where they would right before <laughs> hansen hit it big we were doing the cryo freeze stuff <laughs> cryo freeze that's not the right what is what's is the word i'm looking for cryo prison yeah, cryo prison where they freeze the prisoners they rehab them while they're in their frozen state so simon phoenix gets frozen but also john spartan gets frozen to be because of the dead passengers because he the bus passengers. manslaughtered 32 people or whatever he manslaughtered the hell out of whoops them. I think it's pronounced man's, man's laughter. Man's laughter. Uh, and I just want to correct you there. Simon Phoenix is on parole in 2032, and they have no intention of paroling this man, but he knows the password to escape the handcuffs that keep him to the table. He kills everyone mm -hmm. and escapes. Yeah. How does he know? More on that later. He goes <laughs> on a rampage. Murder, death, kills everywhere. In this futuristic society, this futuristic society, by the way, has been sort of designed by Dr. Cocteau and probably won't come into play. Just an interesting fact about San Angeles. All of the police force at this time, it's become a completely nonviolent society. They are not ready for a criminal like Simon Phoenix. He's running rap shot all over them, killing people. <laughs> it's awful. Murder, death, kills. They didn't even know what the code was. They need... A Neanderthal to catch a Neanderthal, right? So they, they unfreeze John Spartan. He comes Balrogging his way through the future. <laughs> and through his... Which Balrog? Is that Lord of the Rings Balrog? Or is that... Um, I was thinking more Street, street Fighter, Fighter Balrog. <laughs> okay. Either way, I wouldn't want to face him in a fight. He makes his way through this fascist liberal hellscape. This is the future that Joe Biden wants. That's right. Yeah. And then he catches his man. He cryo-freezes... Simon Phoenix and kicks his head off. In the meantime, discovering that Dr. Cocteau actually implanted within Simon Phoenix these extra skills and ability to hack the system and get out of his handcuffs because he wanted him to kill the last remaining resistance to this new society, Edgar Friendly, played right, by yeah. Dennis Leary, who had moved with, with mm -hmm. people underground, this underground society. So now everybody's going to have to find a middle ground between fascist liberal state that we have above ground and the rat burger eating libertarian starving rat burger eating <laughs> hellscape that we have underground underground so somewhere in the middle we'll meet and we'll have food other than taco bell hopefully also sandra bullock is there and i neglected to mention her but she's the cop that she's the second lead in this film in well this maybe third lead and she helps John Spartan. She's obsessed with the 20th century. So she mm. says, take this job and shovel it. Do you think she's the future equivalent of like those people who have like a Coca-Cola room in their house where it's just like <laughs> old Coca-Cola, like advertising everywhere and like, what's your fucking problem? Or like girls who are way too into Audrey Hepburn. I'm like, do your lives even interact in any way in the Venn diagram of time? Do you have any connection to Audrey Hepburn in any way? He's like, I don't really care for her acting, but I do love Mickey Rooney. 
<laughs> I didn't want to put pictures of Mickey Rooney being horribly racist everywhere. So I did the closest thing I could find. Plus, there are not a lot of posters of Mickey Rooney about being racist in uh, for some reason. Tiffany's. They didn't. So I just put up pictures of her everywhere. They didn't go down that merch route. But people who know get it when they see her. They get it. So anyway, Lenina <laughs> and John Spartan fall in love. I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess by default, by the rules of '90s <laughs> movies, is like, well, you're the only two heterosexuals I see, so you might as well fucking fall in love. And Cocteau is taken into custody, or something. Killed by the governor of Minnesota. Sad. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he does get killed, doesn't he? Simon Phoenix can't shoot him, so Jesse Vin- the Body Ventura does it for him. It's a pretty good deal. That was a terrible recap, and I'm gonna just let it sit there. One of your worst in terms of information, but one of your best in terms of just messing up the sort of chronology of the whole thing. Because you mentioned that Phoenix Saints heads gets kicked off. And then you were like, oh, and also uh, there's this other guy and Sandra Bullock was there. I like that. It's like an in-media race type deal where you're, you're sort of uh, upending all my expectations of how, how a three-act structure works in a story. I like that the villain is killed halfway through the story, but then you get to find out how we got to that point. You know? <laughs> oh, well, the whole thread is gone. There's no reason for me to care about any of these people, but I like catching up with all the inf- extra information. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about 1996. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is a weird one because I, for some reason, I assumed it happened in the present, but it starts in the, to 1993 audiences in the near future and then goes to the somewhat further future. 2032 is the far future. For some reason, I just assumed it was the present. Why... Do you think they didn't choose a slightly further? Because, like, it had to be in the future. A lot happened in the four years between this movie being between 1993 and 1996, or three years. Yeah, so, like, they had to put it in the future because we all know there's no cryo prisons in 1993. But they thought, 1996, (laughs) surely by then... <laughs> We're going to have the technology and a, a legal system or, you know, a legislative, you know, comeuppance that will pass cryo prisons which seem wondrously inhumane like they're terrible not even just the stuff we find out from john spartan later on where they're not as humane as they claim to be but just in terms of like you can't receive visits from your family aside from your wife pounding on the ice block you're being kept in you don't get to see your children grow up in as little as you see them now in our current prison system like at least you get to you know get updates yeah you could receive a letter. It's usually. insane. Yeah. yeah and the, the, the idea. But you do keep your muscle mass, I, I yeah. realize, which is nice because the prison yard, that's a huge amount of real estate that is being wasted on these convicts. Whereas if we just freeze them, they keep all their proteins and their shoulders, their delts, their quads, and they don't even need the protein to keep it up. They just have nightmares about their dead wives. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't you need something to come in and like flex your muscles for you? I assume they have something to come in. Yeah. (laughs) I assume they have like (laughs) just something to come in. Just come in here and flex them. I assume they have. You just need something to come in. I don't know what that is. I'm not a scientist. (laughs) I'm imagining like, you know, electric surges. Oh, yeah. Like they put those little. Yeah. Like those, uh, remember in the 2000s, they had those like waistbands that would supposedly give you abs, but that for their whole body. Yeah, seems fine. At least for our more natty but swole convict population, which is high. It's basically like a 
frozen hospital because they've got to keep these people alive and they've got to keep it. And no, hospitals are nor- seems pretty. <laughs> it seems like it handles itself from the way I. You can just walk this around goo. in a robe just and no the, one has to feed them. Put the frozen goo, just put the in, goo there. in the blue marble. It's done. Hospitals are famously cash efficient too. So like, <laughs> should be fine. The idea was though that they would be rehabilitated. They are basically reprogrammed while they're in this cryo prison. So they're supposed to come out when they've served their term, whenever, which is weird that they still have parole. Cause it's like, Hey, do you regret what you did? I mean, like, I'm the same amount as when I was frozen in time 30 <laughs> years ago. Right. We do see that John Spartan learns to knit. Yeah. He apparently learned to knit over the course of his, what was it? 70 years? I can't remember. Not 70 years. It was 40 years? 36 years. Because it's thir- 2032. Right, because he was out early. Yeah. It was supposed to be 70, I think. He's 60. taught to knit. They're all given talents that correspond with their natural abilities. And he's he learns to knit, which I thought was very charming. Yeah. But Phoenix Saint learns passwords and all the modern technology. Phoenix Saint? No, that's a gay porn person. That's a real gay porn actor's name. My apologies. What is his name? Simon Phoenix. Simon Phoenix, which still sounds like a porn person's name. And Jenna Jameson, I mean, John Spartan. (laughs) Okay, so we mentioned this a little bit in in the intro, but I do think that this movie, uh, what's making me think of this attack, stra- his attack strategy in 1996, which is basically a oh, right. head and chest first, gun second approach. Just like mm-hmm. coming after guys. It seems intentionally over the top, like not the movie over the top. It felt very like one of those video games. <laughs> Right. This is our this is our second Sylvester Stallone movie. I forgot about Over yeah. the Top. It felt very video gamey in the scene where he is busting into Phoenix. What is his name? Simon Phoenix. Simon Phoenix's house, his lair or whatever, <laughs> his, his, his level six or whatever. He has a, uh, a tidy bungalow. <laughs> he has a tidy bungalow and just in people Calabasas. are just flying out. It's like one of those Area 51 in the arcade. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where you had the pink gun and the blue gun. It's like that, where people are just coming out from behind boxes, coming out from behind doorways, and you just have to shoot them down. Like, zero, like men in black training, yeah, basically. Yeah, zero seeking cover. Just like, what? Someone shoot me from there? <laughs> yeah. But it felt, it felt like they know that this is ridiculous. Now, I could be, I don't want to like... Are you just suggesting that Demolition Man isn't taking itself seriously? I am suggesting that. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's also like the excess is part of what they're sort of, they're showing. So this was also released when the riots had just happened in LA. So we're like, you could see that context. Right. That seems like the specific thing there. Where they're like, if this, you know, this is seems to be where we're going. There's chaos in the streets. People for some reason don't want to be physically harmed by the police so we should send one in to physically harm them <laughs> no i mean like but also like I, it's cartoon like simon phoenix is cartoonishly bad he's a super villain he's killing people left and right like he has no remorse <laughs> whatsoever and so you're seeing this very right. like arch hero as well come busting in i mean i had a lot of trouble i felt like this movie was 
Raising a lot of questions, I guess I would say, because of that pointed like vision of Los Angeles on fire, which I think to a 1993 audience would certainly evoke the L.A. riots. And then this idea of a police state that is so efficient that no one has been killed since 2010 that we see in the future. I was trying to piece together, like, what is this movie's opinion about things? And I probably want to save this for my end point, but... It's something I grappled with for the length of the film. <laughs> yeah. I think you can, because like my instinct as a kid was not, I didn't think about all those things at all. I was like, this is fun. Right. But it also is interesting that we see a cop, especially to our eyes, who seems dangerous and probably should be put in cryo prison. <laughs> and then in the future, I was having trouble. I'm like, it seems like this system seems to be working very yeah, well right, in the right. future. If you haven't had a single person willfully killed in, you know, 13 or 14 or, you know, 23 years, making a good case for this, you know, fascist police state you got going. <laughs> I'll say one thing for the fascists. They can be efficient. That's true. They love their trains and they hate their murder, death kills. That's what I've learned from fascists. They hate when people die. <laughs> well, and this clearly was... They don't really get into the whole timeline, but there was the big one of 2010 that they talk about. The John Spartan's wife dies in. It was like an enormous earthquake that like takes out right. a lot of LA. And you can see that this society kind of came from that, that they- And is built on top of it, literally built yeah. on top of so it. So they had like both, you can kind of extrapolate from the 1996 future that we see to 2010 and assume that it wasn't going great even before the earthquake you know if it's just getting mm-hmm. like maybe maybe they fixed if the hollywood signs on I fire mean, once that's gone what is left why are we even visiting so if that happens like on top of that they basically mm-hmm. they built this new society that is sort of like from scratch almost and their idea being we want to avoid the mistakes of the past and we want to build this future but people want to uh, like dennis leary they want to smoke Marlboros and read Playboys. I have a question. One of my main problems with this movie is I felt like it was hinting at a lot of world building that I was very curious about. And I never got a lot of answers to that world building. So when it was like, see how bad this world is, I was like, I don't actually, I see what you're saying about it, but I'm not really fully picking up on it. San Angeles, the giant megapolis that has taken over, what was it? Los Angeles, San Diego, and- Santa Barbara. San Bernardino? Santa Barbara. Oh, Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara to Los Angeles. I'm like, okay, yeah. San Diego, that's a bit of a chunk of California that's to a very cover. very large distance. Is it still part of America? We don't really get any any information of what's going on outside of because this. Because Nigel Hawthorne's Lord Colgate or whatever seems to be- solely in charge. There seems to be a cabinet that may have some sort of superficial power that he consults with, but he seems to have complete control over this area. So it was like, what's the rest of America look like right now? Are you a governor? Are you the mayor of this town? Or are you actually like the leader of a separatist state of San Angeles? All we know is that he's whatever the city state or whatever the (laughs) giant megaplex Mm -hmm. is. He's King Leonidas of this area. All we know is that, and that at some point, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the president, because he has a presidential library, which you don't get oh, until yeah, I you're there is a... office. So he's not currently the president. That's true. Which I also thought was, I mean, not prescient per se, but was 
Wink, wink, not, not. Yeah. Not, not. It was pretty, uh, <laughs> it was pretty clever. Was he governor by this point? Because that was later, right? That was later as well. They passed the 61st Amendment. I'm like, wow, we must have been cranking out amendments at some point. (laughs) They passed the 61st Amendment to allow non-nationalized citizens to run. Or not national, what is it? Not birthright citizens? What are the Republicans always complaining about? Immigrants. Immigrants. To let immigrants run. Yeah, I would have been interested in that world, but I don't think they needed to do it for this movie. But I I I like thinking about it. It's kind of fun. I mean, that part is probably not necessary, but there were other parts of this world. The vibe I got from this movie was that it was kind of made on the cheap. Is that we get one establishing shot of San Angeles, which is like a building when Sandra Bullock's driving into town. The rest of it has, and I mean this with all the love in the world, has kind of a Xenon girl of the 21st century vibe where they found the nicest office parks. They did. They wanted it to be bland. Because they, this okay. future is this bland future. So this was directed by Marco Brambilla, who is an, more I, I of an artist. Well. This is the only movie he's ever directed. He directed like a short, but he mostly does like actual art installations, which actually kind of makes sense. I'm actually surprised there wasn't more kind of weird visual, but it, it is a very like there. Was, I will say this about this movie. He had a vision for it, but I do agree. It does <laughs> seem like he wasn't he didn't maybe have the budget to go crazy. Or they had to spin it on the action scenes, I guess. Yeah. Right. I mean, we have a, a cryo prison where three set pieces are are take yeah. place. We have a police station where it's basically the bridge of the Enterprise where people are just standing around screens and telling me what's happening. <laughs> and then otherwise, it's just Wesley Snipes and Rambo running around an office park. <laughs> Sort of pointing guns at each other while Nigel Hawthorne is trying to get to the Buddhist temple or something. And then we have the underground, which reminded me of Planet of the Apes 2 with all the mutants underneath the planet. It reminded me of the Mushroom Kingdom in 1993. (laughs) Yes, that is a good point too. This is just what we thought a post-apocalyptic underground would be like in 1993. It felt like the kind of set where you can move a few things around and it would look like a completely different corner of that world where you just just build me a corridor that looks like an underground street and I'll just move some cars and rat burger little carts kiosks. around and and no one will be able to tell that it's the same shot over and over and over yeah. again. I also thought that was very interesting. So we have it's not a completely crimeless state. And we don't have like high crimes like murder and stuff. Is that a high crime? Ask Congress, I guess. Yeah. It feels like a high crime. You'd have to be high to commit it. In my mind. No. But we do have a ragtag group of ruffians known as scabs. Is that correct? Is that what they call them? I don't remember. Scraps. 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 It felt felt like it should have been cleverer than what they came (laughs) up with. (laughs) They're scraps and they're led by Dennis Leary doing his best. By the way, the name I was looking for during the intro was Bill Hicks. That Ah, was the comedian I was trying to think of that is constantly referenced when people are calling Dennis Leary ripoff. And Dennis Leary was going full 1990s MTV commercial mode where he, he gets was just a rant. rambling he on about topics. Yeah. yeah, he gets two rants yeah, in this true. movie. And they were like, just do that shit you do. Do your Dennis Leary thing. That shit. That blue collar shit where you're just complaining about vague things, coffee's too much these days, that stuff. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and I wish we got a little bit more. We do get a little bit with them. I wish we had gotten more because when Nigel Hawthorne's character, the dastardly Johnny- Cocteau. Dr. Cocteau. Cocteau. 
he says, well, well, the scabs, they're, they're people who have just thrown off the yoke of this society and have decided to live outside the bounds of civilization. And I was like, that sounds like some pull yourself up by your bootstraps nonsense. I can't wait to meet up with these guys and see what they say about it. And Dennis Leary's like, yeah, I don't want to live in that society. So I'm going to starve to death yeah. under the earth and eat rat burgers. And I was like, that doesn't. I really was hoping that there was going to be something more yeah, else. Yeah. It felt like, well, the propaganda was accurate that you just don't want to live in this society. I don't know. I was hoping for a little bit more depth you there. You can't curse in this society. You can't have sex without permission. Well, even you can't, you can't ever do a fluid exchange, but you can have children, but only with permission. Which makes abortion illegal because the only reason you'd have an abortion is if you don't want the baby. There's no medical reason to have an abortion, as we've all learned over the past 18 months. Yeah, we get we get one sentence about abortion, so we don't we don't learn a whole lot about any nuances that might exist in this law, but it doesn't seem like there are any. There are no nuances, yeah. exactly. It's illegal. But uh, so is getting pregnant. It is weird that there's like, they had an opportunity, because obviously they're like kind of, they're on the side of the scraps, scrappers. Wait, what, once John Dildo finds out that they're starving to death. About? Spartan? Rambo. Okay. He <laughs> Detective John, John Spartan. Spartan. Thank you very You're much. right. And my apologies to John Spartan. He finds out that they're starving at the Taco Bell fiasco. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll kill starving people. I'm like, you don't seem like you get a lot of the W4s from people <laughs> to check that they're they're on the up and up. It doesn't seem like that's really in your wheelhouse. Paperwork probably isn't a John Spartan thing. Yeah. But uh what the fuck was I talking about? I'm not oh sure. yeah, he immediately <laughs> is on their side, and then he goes down under, meaning underground, has a delicious rat burger, and realizes that they can smoke and, and look at pornography, and he's like, "These are my people." And I'm like, "Same, John Spartan," but still, <laughs> I feel like there's some nuance being missed here. I just want to just talk about John Spartan for a second, the character. <laughs> Why do you think they made him a detective? This he <laughs> has the same job as Sherlock Holmes. He has the same job as. Hercule Poirot. Well, I mean, sure, first off, they're not, he's not a sure, private investigator, but still, he's a right. detective. True. He he seems really low level to be just jumping out of helicopters. In <laughs> well, I mean, maybe that's the exact. I don't. I don't know the nuances of. of Who do you, you get know, to uh, jump out of helicopters? Face first. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like police are really. They're more interested in like flying the helicopter directly into something, <laughs> or you know, a battering ram into something. They're not interested in actually risking their lives. They just sort of want to. Can blow you imagine? It up. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know why he's. It seems like he would be like lieutenant something or other. Or isn't John McClane something? He's not detective John McClane. He's like Sergeant John McClane. Or I don't lieutenant remember. admiral commander. No, he's not a commander. I don't know. It's so Lieutenant Captain Kirk, and he gets updated to Admiral at some point. It's not important. He's not a police officer either. The lethal weapon guides are lieutenants, right? Lieutenant Riggs and Murtaugh? I have to tell you something. What? I've never seen a lethal weapon in my life. Don't tell Sandy Bullock's character, because she's got a lethal weapon Sandy, three. Oh, yeah, she does. She loves uh, the one with Joe Pesci. <laughs> I think that's, no, because it was three, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the one with Joe Pesci. Is it? At least one of them has Joe Pesci, and he's in three. He's peeking between their shoulders, and it's really cute because he's so small. I don't remember. Let me check. Let me check. Uh, So that's the one where there's like two skyscrapers that he's bending. No, that's Crocodile Dundee too. (laughs) Can you imagine Joe Pesci, which is Italian for fish? 
Yeah, he's peeking out between them in Lethal Weapon 3. Even the poster says Mel Gibson, but Danny Glover, and then in handwriting font, and Joe Pesci. Now, he's also in Lethal Weapon 4. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. He's in that too, and And Rene Russo also returns in Lethal Weapon 4. Chris Rock in Lethal Weapon 4? Yes, he is also in this poster. They do one of those triangular posters that are usually reserved for dimension horror movies where they're all in a sort of a V formation. Mm-hmm. So you can see as many people as possible. Lethal Weapon 4, you got Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Joe Pesci, Rene Russo, Chris Rock. One more. Jet Li. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right, he says. I've seen those. I'm a... Did you see the remake of I'm Lethal a Weapon? Human with two eyes and a heart. <laughs> anyway, back to the movie we did watch. Oh, right. Rob Schneider is in this one. So, speaking of special guests, ah, oh, yeah, he doesn't get a making copies moment, but he does. It seemed like almost a reference. Like it seemed like they wanted to, because the first moment that Lenona is what is her name? Lenona comes in. Lenina. Lenina Huxley. It's a not a. It's not a name I f- am familiar Lenina with. Lenina Huxley, as a human, yes, named after Aldous Huxley, of course. Aldous Huxley and Lenina is something from something. Lenina Work, which I imagine is a drag queen somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but she comes in, and he's like Lenina, lovely Lenina, or something like that, and it was like, uh oh, here we <laughs> go. Does. We're about to do it. Oh, here, let's hear it. But he doesn't go into making copies. Thank you for not doing that. Thank you, Marco. I appreciate it. He does get a funny line, a funny-ish line. The movie really wanted me to think it was a funny line where he says, we're police officers, we're not trained on this kind of violence, which I was like, okay, I get it. We do get a lot of self-reference in this movie, some accidental, some on purpose. Wesley Snipes does refer, when he's at the gun armory, the gun museum, he says, okay, Rambo, and he takes like a gun out of one of the mannequin's hands, which I thought was charming. Sandra Bullock, in her prescient way, starts telling John Spartan everything that happened while he was sleeping. I caught that, and I had to look up, um, when did while you were sleeping come out? And I was like, oh, after this. Just a coincidence. <laughs> it's it's just, just a phrase just that a people phrase. say. That's why they called the movie <laughs> while you were sleeping. <laughs> I think that was in one of the IMDb things, and I was like, that's not a th- no. That's not a fact. No. They didn't think, oh, Sandy, I think you're going to be in a movie in three years. And, you know, another reference was like, because at first, Lenina and John Spartan's relationship is kind of rocky. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then at one point, they referenced that Sandra Bullock will eventually win an Oscar, which was both a reference to the fact she does win an Oscar and Sly Stallone's mob comedy <laughs> Oscar. <laughs> The second time I brought it up on this episode. Thank you. You're doing the hey, Lord's work. Don't thank me. Thank the crew of the movie Oscar. <laughs> it was a bomb. How do you think the three seashells work? In the movie, so I, just in case you don't get this, I don't know why you're listening to this this long. If you don't like, like I haven't seen this movie, but if I, you're not interested <laughs> in any way about demolition, John Spartan man. has been unfrozen and he wants to use the bathroom and there's where there should be toilet paper. There's just three seashells and he doesn't know how it works and they all laugh at him, but no one actually says in the movie, it's a joke in the movie. No one actually says how they work. Right. Because it's so And it's actually the last line of the movie in a sort of Gordon Ramsay walking away from the the restaurant he just quote unquote saved where, uh, I can't believe the three seat. What does he say at the end? He says, he says, now you're going to have to teach me how these three seashells work. You got to tell me how these three seashells work. Yeah. It's like Gordon Ramsay saying, oh, pumpkin hummus. Good God. God. 
I hope these people die. The best explanation I've seen, and by best I mean worst, is that you take the two seashells like a castanet. This is Stallone's. That's his. Is this his theory? That's his theory. Where you pull the feces out of your own butt, which for some reason in the future, my intestines no longer have any ability to push out feces on their own. I have to guide the feces in a castanet type situation. And then the third seashell is just to wipe out any remaining detritus from my <laughs> fecal adventure. I don't care for that. And that's obviously not how they would work. Also, get a bidet. We already figured this out if you don't want to use. That's that's my theory. This is not a theory with an answer, but it, my theory is that it's some sort of bidet-like situation. Like they control something that mm. will actually just, you know, blast your anus. But they're not. They're just three seashells on a little alcove in your bathroom. It's the future. Maybe they come out and uh, they've got a hose attached. Or maybe maybe they're little knobs that you turn. I do appreciate, first off, I want to give credit to the best running joke of the movie, which is there's no cursing in the, the future. Curse box, yeah. And anytime you curse, there's a cursing box that will demote you or demerit you. John Spartan, you are fined one credit. <laughs> and what is great at the beginning when they're establishing how this works, they're right by John Spartan's head. But then for the rest of the movie, anytime that Phoenix Saint and uh, nope, John nope. Simon Phoenix. Hungo, um, <laughs> Whenever they curse, you can hear in the very far distance, John Spartan, you have been demoted one credit. I found that very charming. They committed to the bit and that if you're listening for it, you can hear anytime they say fuck or shit or anything, you can hear some machine in the distance going off. I did like that bit. It makes me wonder if how much of that was like added in the editing room. They got to add that post, which would be a fun little, little treat to do. I do want to point out, because of that running joke, I just want to point out that the screenwriter for this movie is one of my brother's favorite screenwriters. My brother went through a Daniel Waters phase in his life. Daniel Waters is probably most famous for writing Heathers, the 1988 murder comedy, How uh, Heathers. Exactly. What's your damage, Daniel Waters? He also wrote the box office bombs, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, loved by my brother, and Hudson Hawk, loved by my brother and by me. He also co-wrote Batman Returns, and then he just sort of disappeared from what I could tell Mm. on his what-have-yous. He's done some smaller movies, but it's very sporadic these days. Hmm. Sad. But I think he has a very Gen X vibe and this sort of attitude of like, they all suck, which I feel like is the end note of this movie. Yeah. It's very, I feel like a Gen X attitude of who cares? They all suck. Yeah. Yeah. There's also back to the three seashells. I did see a story about the writer that he was like trying to find something funny, like for that situation. Uh And then he called like a different writer and the writer was like sitting on the bathroom and (laughs) <laughs> there was seashell, like a, a basket of seashells or something as a decoration. So he came up with that, mm-hmm. which it's not really a story, an anecdote even, because it's just like a writer came up with it is the answer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> right. That is, yeah, that is nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. It did just feel like, I feel like if it had been one beat of the story, like if it was just that one revelation, like, oh, he doesn't know how to use the three seashells, I would have been fine. The fact that it just kept coming back, I was like, no, you're making me think about this too much and I'm getting frustrated because it doesn't make any sense over a bidet or toilet paper. What is this? I didn't mind it. And the fact that it's the last line of the movie, I was like, fuck off. I, you think it's more <laughs> clever than it is. 
I want to know, we, speaking of cast, we haven't gotten to Sandy Bulls or what's the name you keep saying? Simon Phoenix yet. But I do want <laughs> did you notice this very special, two very special guest stars in small roles? Well, we have Glenn Shadix, who you might know as Otho from Beetlejuice. Yes. That's not who I'm talking as about. Nigel yeah. Hawthorne's possible life partner, but mostly his personal assistant. Yeah. We have the warden from Shawshank. Yeah. Yep. As a Mr. Monopoly, the the, the, police the chief. head police chief. Bill Cobbs, you may know as Dale Paxton from That Thing You Do. He plays like the old police officer who knew John Spartan back in the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's not who I'm talking and about. And then, okay, hold on. Let me keep thinking because I, I wrote Jack Black was in this. Yes, he's one of them. He was one of Dennis Leary's, I wouldn't even say like right-hand men because he really Zero gets lines. like, you yeah. just have to recognize what Jack Black's eyebrows look like and have them tattooed in your brain because you're like, what was that? that I, I recognize that face, please. Hold on, who else? Dan Cortez That's plays the piano Dan, player. MTV's Dan Cortez. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Elaine's himbo boyfriend who gets his face pummeled off when he falls off a mountain while mountain climbing. But yes, MTV, as Stefan would say, MTV's Dan Cortez. <laughs> that really threw me for a loop. I mean, it was 1993. So if he showed up now, it would be way more like, what? But <laughs> this is his prime. Yeah, this is peak Cortez. His, his agent was like, we've got a piano playing role for you for an unnamed character in a Sly Stallone vehicle. What do you say? And Dan Cortez was like about to answer. And his agent's like, don't bother. I'm putting you up for it. What the fuck else are you doing? <laughs> Just do it. Let's also not. I mean, Nigel Hawthorne, may God rest his soul, did this movie. He did it. I believe this is a Michael Caine situation where he explicitly said, I did it for a paycheck. That movie is dumb. <laughs> Openly gay. We have to respect our ancestors. Thank you, Nigel Hawthorne. I believe he's actually, I may have read too much into this, but he might have been the inspiration for in and out Do you remember in in and out when Matt Dillon's character accidentally outs someone when he wins a, an Oscar? <laughs> I believe that is in real life that happened. And the person who got outed was Nigel Hawthorne. What? Really? Our villain in this movie. Yeah. What was the movie? I can't remember. Demolition Man. <laughs> <laughs> when Sly Stallone accepted his best acting Oscar for Demolition Man, he accidentally outed Nigel Hawthorne. Yeah, he plays Dr. Cocteau, the evil guy. And I, I was actually, I kind of completely forgot about Otho in this. Oh, yeah. I, the minute he popped up, I love... Otho and pretty much anything. This is a reunion between him and Daniel Waters because Otho also plays the priest in Heathers, who's constantly going to teenagers who've, quote, committed suicide in that movie. But of course, I mean, he's he's a Tim Burton regular as well, and that he's the mayor of Halloween Town in, in Nightmare Before Christmas as well. That's right. That's right. Do you want to talk about Sandy Bulls while we're here? While we're here just talking about people? <sighs> I want you to talk about her because I, I can't. Sandy Bulls has Sandra Bullock. What's to say about Sandra Bullock that hasn't been said already? She has a very effervescent personality. She's mm -hmm. full of energy. She plays the person who's sort of really excited to be there. There was part of me that was a little pissed at how the story develops in that she is completely absent from the final act. Mm -hmm. John Spartan knocks her unconscious with the electrocuted cattle prod that all police carry with them in the future. They're good guys with cattle prods. How do you stop a bad guy with a cattle prod? 
a good guy with a cattle prod. He knocks her unconscious because for her own safety, even though she's a trained police officer who understands what the century is. But I mean, for the most part, she plays her role well. I think that she's excited to meet someone from the past. She has a running joke where she does not fully grasp the lingo of the 20th century. And so she says, you know, let's lick this guy's ass. She says, let's blow this guy. And Sly Stallone, in his mastery of comedic acting, keeps correcting her. I'm actually more annoyed with Sylvester Stallone because I think that Sandy Bulls, in a comedic role, is very charming. And I can see why people kept putting her in movies. But (laughs) Sylvester Stallone does not feel at ease in a comedy. Did you see his muscles? I did see his (laughs) muscles. Yeah, I saw his muscles. And I tried to glimpse at his penis through the foggy glass of the cryo prison. There was a lot of attempts. I was like, I don't know if the cameraman, does the cameraman have consent from the mannequin that's been frozen in this, (laughs) this ice block? But he feels, I'm starting to realize why, like, I feel like at some point Arnold Schwarzenegger kept going up. Or at least he had a level where he was like sort of coasting for a while. And Sly Stallone just sort of crested and sort of didn't hit that same level. And I think it's that Arnold Schwarzenegger, while not a comedian, if you hand him a comedic script, I feel like he can manage that. He has like comedic instincts where he can say a line that was written to be funny. He can make that line continue to be funny once he says it. I feel like Sly Stallone is just mimicking what a funny person might do. There's a lot of eye rolling and like forehead rubbing in this in this movie. And then there's this weird element of pathos that they try and introduce where he's like, where's my wife? I was married, where's my wife? And then they're like, oh, your wife died in a giant earthquake. He's like, that's a shame. I can't wait to fuck Sandra Bullock later in the movie, <laughs> which is literally 24 hours after you found out your wife was dead. What is wrong with you? And then he's like, I also had a daughter. And the movie's like, would you like to meet the daughter? And he's like, no, no. I wouldn't. And I'll never bring her up again. I'm like, thanks for letting me know, movie. <laughs> this he is the world just, building I signed on for. could have just not had a daughter. <laughs> You didn't have to invent a daughter. You could have said he was a swinging single and just lived his life as like a permanent bachelor, but you gave him a wife and a daughter and then said, told us explicitly that daughter was possibly still alive. And they were like, (laughs) fuck it. Who cares? Apparently it was edited out of the movie, but there was a scene where his daughter was in the like underworld and was one of like Edgar Friendly's top lieutenants. And then do you see in the... I don't know. This is all from IMDb. So. Was she the rat burger girl? <laughs> no, but did you see when they're attacked by Simon Phoenix in the underground? He's like protecting a woman that we've never seen before with like curly oh, no, hair. I didn't catch that. Uh-huh. That's apparently was like a scene that was cut. Wow. That is an interesting character beat. That would have been great. But hey, you don't get a three seashells chance four times in a movie. So they had to take that last yeah, beat at yeah. the end. I will say their reasoning that was given was that test audiences didn't like that his daughter and Sandra Bullock were the same age. And I can kind of understand that. That is complicated. Time travel is they complicated. Had the vibe of like, they had the vibe of a stepdaughter meeting their new stepfather. Like, yes. why are we the same age? Why did I choose stepdaughter and stepfather? Yeah. That makes no sense. But you know what I mean. I want to do what any brave straight married man does when they Thank want you. to speak 
candidly about mm-hmm. the acting skills of Sandra Bullock. And that is that I want to hide behind <laughs> my wife's statement, which she said, what movie is she in? <laughs> See, I feel like she was in the movie I wanted to see at least, and Sly Stallone was not in the movie. Yeah, I, I actually, I like, I, I don't think this is like a tour de force or anything, but I, I do like that because her character is kind of, she's speaking in these like this future slang. It was actually, Lauren compared it to Xenon and she's not wrong. I also compared it to Xenon with my partner as well. So it's Shh. something that crosses the yeah. spectrum of sexuality that we all will compare <laughs> Demolition Man to Xenon. She is playing Xenon, basically. She's got the future (laughs) slang, and Mm -hmm. she's a little spunky. She's not, like, really breaking the rules, but she's kind of breaking... She's breaking some light rules. She would totally do a moonwalk as long as raven Simone was looking out for her dad. Yeah, yeah. To to warn her. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Tyler got a little annoyed that he was like, why is the, the slang in this movie is harder to say than just saying the words. And I'm like, I feel like the movie is doing that on purpose, but it yes. did drive Tyler up a wall that they were <laughs> they were saying things like three sanctioned life terminations yeah. rather than killing someone. Yeah, unsanctioned. You're right, I'm sorry. Let's talk about Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Wesley Snipes in this movie, I would also put on par with Sandra Bullock in that he knows the movie he's in, yeah. which is I'm going to play a deranged villain who just does random things because he's quote unquote crazy and it's fun. I feel like, again, they did not do a good job of explaining until much later that, I mean, they showed that he had knowledge he shouldn't, but they also explain very late in the movie that he also is three times stronger than he ever was. Yeah. On earth, which would have been nice to have heard when he was throwing people around. And I couldn't tell if it was just like 90s machismo or if he actually was like super strong in some way. Yeah. Because he's throwing people through windshields and pulling people out of cars with ease. Yeah. And this is not really Wesley Snipes' fault, but every time the Simon Phoenix appears, there was some like racist underscore happening because like it becomes very i don't know if you notice this anytime he's on screen there's like record scratching and like orchestra hits <laughs> like early 90s hip-hop well he's got the overalls on he's dressed like sinbad's first comedy tour and <laughs> i was actually gonna say he looks like he's in style now the fact yes, that he's wearing yeah. uh background. overalls coveralls and a mesh shirt i'm like i would see you at a club somewhere <laughs> You're thinking of Simon Penis. That's the porn guy. Uh, his name? A Phoenix Saint is Phoenix who Saint. I was thinking okay. of. Google that at your peril, straight listeners. <laughs> I like Simon Penis. <laughs> Usually, I mean, sometimes they're a little too on the nose. They're never that on the nose. That's like right up the nostril in terms of... Yes, my name is Simon Penis. That's the name I want to be going by. <laughs> John Pornography. <laughs> I like Wesley Snipes in this fairly well. There's real stakes to Simon Phoenix. Like, he kills people, like, immediately. Like, he's not... Yeah, he has no, he has no qualms about it. He's he's silly. He's saying silly things, but he's got real... An element of danger to him that is... Especially, to when he's in the future. 
you could see how like I, I actually think it's an in, my favorite part of this movie. Sorry for interrupting myself like nine times. My favorite part of this movie is the 20 minutes that don't have Sylvester Stallone in them because <laughs> they both get frozen. Then we go to the future and we see, we meet Sandra Bullock. She's we kind of get introduced to this future world. She's wishing that there were more crimes. Yeah, going she's on. bored. And then mm-hmm. we get to see Simon Phoenix break out. And that's like introducing real stakes. And this future has no idea how to deal with him. It's a good hook. Like it's a good story. The greatest crime he committed? Killing Andre from My Dinner with Andre. Cruel. Why would you do that? You could have had such a lively conversation. You just, you should have a conversation with him. He has wonderful points about various subjects. I've definitely watched the movie, but I won't (laughs) spoil the subjects he talks about. With Wallace Shawn. I have only seen the episode of Community that's based on that (laughs) movie. And I've only seen the episode of The Simpsons where Bart plays a video game version. Or no, actually, Martin Prince plays a video game version of My Dinner with Andre, which one of the buttons is just tell me more. (laughs) Who else we got here? I have one criticism about Phoenix Saint. Uh, (laughs) I know it's not his name at this point. He does the classic action movie villain thing where he's been trying to just shoot John Spartan for the entire movie. And then he finally gets John Spartan caught in one of those arcade, like grabby arm things. And he's like, how about a little target practice? And just starts shooting wildly, missing him every time. I'm like, movie, just don't have this moment because it's distracting me by how, just shoot the guy, just shoot, hold your gun steady and point it at his head. Just shoot him. I do think that's more of the camp this movie is leaning into because it's like, you know, it's a, you know, the Incredibles. You caught me monologuing. <laughs> we have to move on. We are, we are over time. Uh, the uh, producers are telling me we got to move oh, on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh, can I just say one thing about my final thing on Phoenix? <laughs> Which is that I was a little disappointed when he killed Nigel Hawthorne because I really was hoping that. That would be our final boss. I was, I, mm. I felt like Nigel Hawthorne had never really fully laid out his plan. He never got to have the James Bond villain moment of like, and now my plan is to do this. We knew he wanted to gain even more control yeah. to wipe out the scraps. But like, I felt like this this whole world building was so nebulous that I never felt fully invested or offended by his plans. And so he was like, now I get to have more control than my complete control I currently have. And I'm like, yeah. who cares? It seems like what you are you won. talking about? It seems like yeah. everyone is will give you any control. You're sort of a cult leader. Like even Sandra Bullock's character has to like come down from her adulation of you. It seems like it seemed, well, now we're going to build a bigger Death Star. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> I just wanted to get that out. You can you can go on to whatever topic you wanted to talk about now. Well, I just want to do a little quote roundup. That's all I've got. So if you've got a bigger point, what do you want to say before we go to verdicts? People love when we talk organization, conversational organization. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I've I've sort of danced around this already, but I'll I'll just go ahead and like state it explicitly. My main problem with this movie is its world building, and it feels especially in its first two acts even, feels like it has something it wants to tell me. I may not fully agree with it politically, but 
I never got a full sense of what it was. And then by the third act, it seems to have like given up on that question entirely. And it's all just about blamo, 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 which I'm very forgiving, much more forgiving than Tyler, my partner would be. Tyler was like, this is dumb. Goodbye. (laughs) Whereas I was like, no, I kind of want to see what their attitude towards now that Nigel Hawthorne is out of the way. Lord Creosote, he's gone, we can rebuild the society, and the movie just sort of takes a mulligan on it. And so the warden at Shawshank and Dennis Leary, Rescue Me, come together, and they're like, well, what kind of society should we build? And, you know, the warden's like, we should have more rules, we should fix everything that's broken, that that John Spartan broke. And then Dennis Leary's like, ah, you got the models over here, I'm holding a cigarette and I'm pushing it back and forth, and I'm talking about Cindy Crawford's mole or whatever. (laughs) And then John Spartan Martin's just like, what if you just sort of meet in the middle in some way? Goodbye. And then like walks away and you then have, presumably fuck Sandra Bullock. Over here, you have 95% of the population who wants it one way. And then you have 5% over here <laughs> that's yelling from the underground. We got to meet in the middle. <laughs> we have to completely compromise. <laughs> Yeah, they just kind of hand wave it away. Like that I figured it was okay. going to be some sort of right wing-ish thing, but it even sort of just sort of shrugs at the end of the movie. And I didn't know what it was trying to say because I felt like going in, I was scared that it was going to be some sort of copaganda thing. And then it felt like it was almost anti-cop when we see like this fascist police state that, that San Angeles has become. And then at the end, it's like, Fuck it. I don't know. Figure it out yourself. Goodbye. Yeah, I'm going got, back to my home planet now. And yeah, then it's clearly John like, Spartan died on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> it's got like reference, like it, it's like referential to like Brave New World, but it's not like he hasn't read it. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's like I read the clips. Now, my teacher told me there would be a test on it. So I, I sort of like skimmed it really good. I read, I read Huxley. I read Rand. Didn't care <laughs> for either of them. <laughs> No, but yeah, I was kind of expecting sort of that, like, sort of the, like, when you think of the plot, if you read it, there's this, like, very peaceful police state. It's not really a police state in the tr- the sense of, and like, it's not really peaceful. Violent. Well, right. But it's like, you know, we've eliminated all, like... Murder, death, kills. All murder. We've eliminated, like, medical, all medical problems. There are, like, right. progress has been made in certain areas. But so I was expecting, I guess I was expecting to disagree with it more but it doesn't really have much of a point of view so it's hard to like because i don't you know the way they land you're kind of like okay i guess it all worked out if i know anything about america is that we'll come to a compromise that helps everyone yeah i I think that's why i was so surprised that the nigel hawthorne's propaganda about the scabs or scraps is true yeah was just true because I kind of wanted to know more about why these people were living underground. And I thought it was the movie trying to say something about how maybe we treat our homeless population, about how we pretend that society's great as long as we just cannot see yeah. the people we've sort of shoved under the rug. No, that's a script right there. And then instead <laughs> it was like, eh, isn't it funny that Taco Bell's like a fancy restaurant now? Anyway, back to the office park. <laughs> it does like, I mean... It- they decided what kind of movie they wanted to make, but they they dipped their toe into another kind of movie. So I want to watch that other kind of movie more, where yeah. they're like, uh, you know, we're looking in a post futuristic society that grapples with these things. That's not what this movie is, but it also kind of presents those issues. So it got it gets you like 
nerds like us kind of excited about that possibility <laughs> when they're like, look, go watch a fucking episode of Star Trek. If you want to philosophize, we're going to shoot some bad guys. We're going to douse them in liquid nitrogen. They kick off their heads. <laughs> yeah. I just want to do a, a few quotes before. We Please. Uh, well, this is from Lauren. This is not a quote from the movie, but <laughs> <laughs> when he gets frozen, <laughs> Lauren said, is that a little turkey timer? He has like a <laughs> little thermometer looking thing. It's very funny. Actually, while we're on there, my partner also was bothered by the freezing scene. It's like, why wouldn't they just invent something where he can stand up? Why does he have to crouch in this like kiddie pool of like, why wouldn't you just at least make it like coffin shaped so he can lay down? Why does he have to like Like every other completely do this thing? Yeah, like any other cryogenic thing thing in a movie. Austin powers him. I think it was because they wanted a Terminator reference. They wanted the crouching nude. Sylvester Stallone, he wanted to compare himself. We don't even see his ass. If you want to do Terminator, you have to own it. Yeah. And you have to show your ass. At one point, Huxley is talking to her partner. I can't remember Benjamin Bratt's character's name, but she says, don't you want some action or whatever? And he's like, actually, no, I find my job deeply fulfilling. (laughs) Uh, Yes, Benjamin. Here's my quote. Benjamin Bratt's face. That was my quote from this movie that I loved. So handsome. And especially when he somehow just joins the scraps, like off screen somehow he's like with them for like like 20 minutes and he immediately comes back covered in like cut up tires he looks so handsome like that because his hair finally got mussed up a little bit (laughs) Uh, here's my my favorite line go for it when phoenix penis realizes that john spartan is in the future he says john spartan they let anybody into this century i laughed because it's such a stupid thing to say it's stupid They show an old news clip of John Spartan <laughs> saving the day, and he's carrying a little girl out of a... <laughs> he burned like them a, all to the ground to save yeah, this girl. Out of a burning structure, and the news reporter's like following him, like like running while she asks him questions. question. How can you justify destroying a $7 million mini mall for a girl whose ransom was only $25,000? And the little girl says, fuck you, lady. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a like very that. charming moment. I like that he doesn't say anything. He just kind of looks at her like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's just the girl. I did appreciate that in the future that the police have no idea how to police, which was a little bit of a relief in 2023 to watch. Like, oh, thank God they le- they unlearned some of this knowledge. But they have sort of a Siri that instructs them how to do everything. And the Siri at some point says, with a firm voice, ask the mani- maniac to lie on the ground. <laughs> Maniac. And there's a stick figure animation that shows the maniac getting on the ground. Add the words or else. <laughs> when John Spartan meets Bill Cobb's character and they know each other, they're they just like, you son of a bitch, this kind of thing. And then Benjamin Bratt once again says, they seem to be friends, yet he speaks to him in the most <laughs> profane manner. I like that. This is sort of an anti-quote. At some point, the Shawshank warden tells Sylvester Stallone, this display of barbaric behavior was unacceptable even in your time. And John Spartan says, yeah, but it worked. And I was like, I did it, though. <laughs> this At this point, he still thinks he killed... 30 hostages and he's still right. very like cocky he's very about his much situation. like yes my i get results which so, are bodies this is a more of a, a bigger point but like he goes into the ice kind of accepting his face because he thinks he accidentally killed these hostages he's like 
look, I fucked up in a, a major way and I'm responsible for these deaths. He just kind of accepts his fate. Not that there would be anything else he could do at that point. But when he comes out, he's like cocky about his methods and like, yeah, he's like, you know, we got to do this. And then he has no existing trauma, like never like, he doesn't deal with that at all. And then later he finds out that, you know, they were already dead and Simon Phoenix planted them right. to make that. And of course, of course he did. Yes, that's how supervillains work. They want to be caught by the police. Right. Uh, and they're planning on framing you for their crimes. Wild. All right, you want to go to the verdict? Yes, please. Let's go. this what is your verdict there's a lot to like in this movie and i think if you had been stuck on a saturday afternoon watching this over and over again you would definitely you know there would be parts of this movie you're like oh i gotta see that scene but watching it as a whole for my first in a hundred percent viewing of this movie you're in a child's an idiot there are some clever ideas at work here, but I don't feel like it really adds up to much in the end uh, for all the reasons I stated in the previous part of this podcast. So, <laughs> DJ, what do you think? I'm actually quite torn on this because I agree with you and it's it's like it's not a good movie, but also as someone who had great affection for it, I didn't mind it, but it also it does there's a lot more holes when you watch the complete movie, as you mentioned, like this is a movie to be watched with commercial breaks and getting up and like, you know, cleaning the grill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like doing this Saturday chores because it does kind of drag in a couple parts and does have some some weak spots. Not to mention I'm it's very say- choppily edited, especially in the action sequences to the point where I had to like sort of look away and look back like a like an eclipse of the sun where I was like, don't, so don't look, look directly, directly at, the, at the movie or else I'm going to get a seizure. There were some of those, some of those action sequences, I think to cut around maybe the less acrobatic areas of our star's expertise. Yeah. They were like, well, if we just sort of do this, you won't notice that Wesley Snipes is just sort of standing in place. He's doing his own stunts while Sylvester Stallone is just sort of like, (laughs) good Sylvester Stallone impression. (laughs) Back to my verdict. I was talking before. Wow. Silencing (laughs) queer people and queer voices. That's what I'm known for. Simon (laughs) Penis. Speak no more. Simon Penis. I was kind of hoping for more to sink my teeth into into like as far as like a point of view, because I think after having watched it, you know, hundreds of times as a kid, not really hundreds of times, many times as a kid, I didn't watch it at all in the interim, except for maybe catching in pieces here and there on cable. And so like learning later that people were like, this is kind of right wing propaganda. And I like thinking about it, be like, yeah, I guess it kind of could be interpreted that way. And then watching it in, I'm like, it's not, it's not, <laughs> not, but it's also not right. It doesn't have a point of view really. It doesn't seem to, maybe it does. And it was just poorly executed, but I don't think Marco Brambilla is like all liberals are fascists or anything. Mussolini forever. I think he was just like exploring some of those issues, but without any sort of teeth, without any depth at all. Because he's like, it's an action movie. Who cares? I think it's the setup. Like, it's not care. actually what I he's care. interested in discussing. I care. <laughs> but I also think it's fine that the movie doesn't go into it. I'm going to say your inner child is an idiot, but barely. Okay. Because I did still get some joy out of this. But I don't think, I think if you were like really lifting this up in your mind as like a great fun action movie, you know, with great beats and you want to come back to it, I think you're going to be disappointed. So don't. 
Just let it live in your memory. It's okay to not rewatch things unless you have a podcast where your co-host forced you like I did to Damon. That's true. Let it be your Velveteen Rabbit where you remember how much you loved it, but don't get it out of the attic. What do you think, everybody? Email us, yourinnerchildsanidiot at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail, 615-576-0525. I want to thank, did we do a problematic corner? I guess we didn't. Uh, all of it. <laughs> I have some, wait, I have some nominations before I get too, oh! too deep. I've totally forgot. I like to nominate the little girl for the single scene Sally Field Memorial Award. The little girl that says, fuck you, lady. Hold on. Let me get my, hold on. SF, uh, fuck you, lady, girl. Do you have an M- do you have a Catherine O'Hara Memorial MVP? Otho? <laughs> hmm. I might say Wesley Snipes for Catherine O'Hara. I feel like he's having a lot of fun. And if anyone's seen Blade 3, you know what happens when he's not having a lot of fun. Sometimes he doesn't open eyes for scenes that he's supposed to have his eyes open for. Have you heard about that? No. He's on an operating table and he has his eyes closed, but he was having a fight with a director. And so... He just refused to open his eyes when he was supposed to open his eyes for the scene. So they had to CG his eyes opening on top of his closed eyes. And don't worry, it's as unsettling as you might imagine. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. But I think I would give him that. I mean, I think he's having a lot of fun with this role. It's a bit, it's a bit goofy, but. I want to give it to Sandra Bullock just because I want the, I want the gaze off my back about it. So. We've been watching some Phoenix Saint. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine with giving it to Sandy Bulls. Let's do it. We'll get a lot of positive responses this time. (laughs) Yeah. Sixes of people will reach out. (laughs) But we didn't we didn't do a problematic corner, although I would say a couple of things were problematic, but not not enough to have a whole corner, I guess. Well, I want to thank my friend Russ Weaver for the use of his song Top of Two for our ad music. We'd like to thank our patrons for helping support us, including Just Cause, Lindsay Halleck, Scalfazores. Wait, that was Austrian. Caroline Amberson. Uh, Zachary Harley. Beth Vermont. Uh, Dr. Uh, Malcolm's uh, heaving bosom. Uh, James Taylor. Out of the way. (laughs) David Moore. Captain John Luke Picard. Uh, Hands of fate. Tommy Boy is my favorite movie. (laughs) The Lucifer Van Grumkin. Lindsay Down. The Zesty. Bill Haynes. Shit on the cartouche. Uh, That's that's a hard one to do in Sylvester Stone. The McWillie House of Cats. Uh, The supreme ruler of this podcast. Uh, (laughs) Every time with the us. Heather Tuggle. Dramatically placed hot dog. Uh, It's like he had heard of a hot dog for the first time (laughs) in his life. Uh, Karen Curd. There is the maestro. Uh, Demons of Three Unique Saints. Jonathan Day. Uh, Josh Frigo. Uh, T. Smith. <laughs> uh, Travis Hans. <laughs> don't, don't laugh through his name. Sorry, sorry, Travis. Uh, that's that's on Sly. I told you he wasn't very good in this movie, and I stand by it. Uh, Take two, Sly. <laughs> uh, Travis Vance. Uh, Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with Damon. The more words I have to do, the worse it gets. Yeah. Uh, Particle Man. Uh, Jeremy Paladin. 
It's better if you just rush through it. And no, don't that's great. That's his, sort of what he's known for. Thank you all very, very much. We truly appreciate your support. If you want to support like them, patreon.com slash your inner child's an idiot. Demolition Man. I don't actually know that song that well. It's so. Demolition Man. Let freedom ring. <laughs> Let the white sing. Let the heart and the thought and the thing. The day of demolition. So I'll do Sly a reaction to that. Uh, no. Stop or my future mom will shoot. No. Because it's the future. Stop and my daughter wife will shoot. <laughs> <laughs> 